All right, all right, all right. I haven't been up here in a while, so it's a blessing to be here and share with you. And as you can tell from the slide, I'm not ready to move on to the Advent season yet. <laughs> in the prayer, they were praying Advent. Beginning of the meeting, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, back up a little bit. I love Thanksgiving. I love sharing about being thankful. It's one of my most favorite topics. So although the, the Thanksgiving day is over, the heart of Thanksgiving lasts all year long, right? So I'm going to share about Thanksgiving <laughs> a little differently here. But before I do, I want to share a Thanksgiving story with you. Uh, this is an older couple who lived in Phoenix. And one day, long before Thanksgiving, the wife said to the husband, she was so sad that the kids weren't coming home for Thanksgiving Day. So the day before Thanksgiving, the husband called his son in New York and said to him, I hate to ruin your day, but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. Forty-five years of misery is enough. <laughs> We are sick of each other. I'm going to leave tomorrow, so call your sister in Chicago and tell her. Frantically, the son calls his sister in Chicago, and who exploded on the phone. They are not getting divorced, she shouted. I'll take care of this. She called Phoenix immediately, said to her father, you are not getting a divorce. Do, uh, don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back, and we'll be both be there tomorrow. Uh, and, and make sure nothing happens. Do you hear me? Then the man hung up the phone and he looked at his wife and he said, Honey, the kids are coming for Thanksgiving. <laughs> and they're paying for their own flights. <laughs> for those of us who have grown kids, we, we get that a little better there. It's, you know, I don't know if that would be a good strategy to try, but any great story. Anyway, as I mentioned earlier, I love sharing about Thanksgiving. And the reason I love to share about it, my poor wife's probably tired of hearing me talk about it. But anyway, when, well, she's heard it for years. When, when I was a young believer, uh, I read 1 Thessalonians 5.18 for the first time. I did not grow up religious. I didn't know anything about the Bible. And I'm reading this verse. And it says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, I was in a pretty tough situation at that point in my life. Uh, many of you know I got born again when I was incarcerated. So here I am in prison. I'm reading this Bible as a new believer, but I'm a zealot. I'm like, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. Whatever you tell me not to do, I'm not going to do. But honestly, God, how can I give thanks in this situation? I mean, I, I, was, I was struggling with God and this whole concept in everything, give thanks. Robert Whitlow, you preached my message already. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a couple of weeks later, I'm reading my Bible again, and I read in Romans 8, 28, where Paul writes, what does he say? We know what? How many things? All good things? We know that all things work together for the good of those that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When I read that text, literally, I mean, in that moment, 
the Holy Spirit spoke to me, the Father spoke to me and said, here's your answer. Here's how you can be thankful in all circumstances because I will make all things work together for the good of those who love me. And I mean, if you ever get that revelation, my family will tell you, I have it. I, I, every time something bad is happening, I'm like, that's okay. God's going to bring something good out of it. Something good's going to happen. I just believe it. I believe it with all my heart. And so it's, if you can get this in your heart, when you're going through a struggle and you don't know why, and I know all of you have struggled with things and you don't know why. I know you've experienced things and you're like, why, God? Why is this happening to me? But in the midst of it, you can still say, but God, I thank you. Why? Because somehow, some way, you're going to turn this out for my good. That's what the Word of God says. It may be in two weeks, it may be in two months, it may be in two years, it may be in ten years. And you'll look back and you'll see the providential hand of God and how He took this mess that was messing up your life and all of a sudden He channeled you over here because of the mess you got over here into His will. Amen? I'm huge on being thankful. I think it's critical. I think if you can get that revelation in your head, it will change the way you respond to many situations in your life. I don't think it gets you out of the situation. It gets the way you respond to the situation different, which will help get you out of the situation. Can I hear an amen? Uh Uh-oh, I'm getting Pentecostal. Can I hear an amen? All right, all right. Watch out. You know, this is not just a New Testament theology either. If you look throughout the Bible, as you read your Bible, time after time, God took people who were in terrible situations and he turned it out for their good. I want to share the story of Joseph and Genesis. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, the son of Jacob. Most of you know the story, but just in case you don't, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And then while he was a slave working in this man's house, he was falsely accused. And then he went to prison. And when he was in prison, he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh made him his right-hand man. That's a real condensed form of the story, right? This is chapters in the Bible. But... And so Joseph had you know, interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. He stored up seven years of of goods, of wheat and grain for the seven years of famine. And then his brothers came to Egypt. The ones that sold him into slavery came to Egypt to get grain. And they didn't even know it was Joseph. But finally, when they realized it was Joseph and what had happened, uh, there's a whole long story. But then in uh, Genesis 50, verse 18, it says, Then his brothers went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, We are your servants. They realized what they had done. They were so sorry. And they were like, you know, we we give in to you. But then Joseph says this. Do not be afraid. See, they thought he was going to kill them or something. He says, for I am in the place of God. Can you say, I am in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. I mean, that's pretty bad, you know, get sold into slavery, be in prison. He says, you meant evil, 
but God turned it for good so that I was able to save many of thousands of people's lives by feeding them. Can you hear an amen? And then you go to the New Testament. I love Paul. I've studied Paul. I've studied his teaching and his life. Paul's the one that wrote, all things work together for the good of those. Paul's the one that talks about thankful and being thankful constantly in every one of his epistles. 34 times he uses one of those phrases about being thankful. I'm thankful for what you have done. I'm thankful for who you are. I'm thankful for God, for what he's done in you. I mean, he's always thankful. But you know, to be honest, some people talk about stuff, but they don't walk it out. You ever done, you ever preach somebody else something and then you're like, oops, <laughs> maybe I should practice that myself. That's the problem with being a preacher. You say all these things and then you get in a situation like, oh yeah, I better follow my own teaching. No. <laughs> so Paul's in prison in Rome and he writes to the church of Philippi. So in Philippians chapter one, this is what he writes. But I want, he's in prison now. Remember this. He says, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. My chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident because of my chains, are much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. My situation, which seems horrible because I'm imprisoned, has turned out for the good of the gospel. He still believed that bad things can turn out for the good. Amen? He didn't just preach it, he lived it. I could share, literally, uh, because this has been one of my life lessons from early 20 years old. I could share with you story after story after story of where something that didn't look good in my life turned out for my benefit. Something that was even horrible directed me in a different way to where I really needed to be. Amen? Again, some of them you notice two or three months later, some of them two or three years later. Sometimes you don't notice them many years later. I have lots of stories. So let me just remind you, as Robert Whitlow so easily put it, <laughs> Remember this, in every situation, that God can and will turn it out for your good. Somehow, some way, he will turn it out for your good. Therefore, you can what? You can be thankful in every situation. In every situation, you can just say, God, I thank you anyway. I thank you anyway. Now, let's turn a corner here because, again, thankfulness is one of my core issues I, I, I love, I share. Uh, but there's another thing that affects our thankfulness. It's how we perceive life. Our perception of life around us greatly affects the way we think and live our lives. Uh, let me share another story with you about uh, having the proper perspective. This young lady's in college, and she's writing to her mom back home. She says, Dear Mom, sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm has been broken. I broke it. And when I jumped from, when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory, when we had the fire, 
We were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze and called the fire department. They were there in minutes. Paul, the service station attendant, took me to the hospital. And because our dormitory was not livable, I moved in with him. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he gets a divorce. I, I hope things are fine at home. I'm fine. I'll write more when I get a chance. Love your daughter, Susie. And then she writes, P.S. None of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and I flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to hear this in the proper perspective. <laughs> Your perspective changes, right? When the, according to how you're looking at things. And so the proper perspective, our proper perspective greatly affects whether we are thankful or not. And one of the main culprits that affects our perspective about life is comparing. Oh my. We always want to compare our lives with other those who have what we think is better. They have more money. They have more opportunity. They get to travel. They have a better husband or a better wife. I don't mean, I, you know, we're always comparing our lives with those who have something that we think is better. And social media is just taking it to a whole new level. You know, we were talking lately, Evie and I, was like way back in the day, there was, you wrote, who was it? Dear Abby in the newspaper, you know. That was about the only social media that was the newspaper. But now everybody's posting every picture of every event, all the happy moments, Right? I saw a picture of a couple friends on an island somewhere looking out on the ocean having a drink. It looks like a very happy moment. But they were there trying to save their marriage from divorce. How do you know some of those happy moments because somebody's been working 60 and 80 hours a week for months and about to burn out and they just have to get away or are they going to lose their sanity? You don't see the backstory. You don't see the arguments and the frustrations. You don't see all those things. You just see the little happy moments. Now, don't get me wrong. There are little happy moments for all of us. I pray to God. Every picture you see of me and my family, it's not like, yeah, we're falling apart, but here. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it happens, and so we see all these things, and we compare ourselves with people who seem to have what we'd like to have or get to do what we'd like to get to do. Well, let me ask you this question. Why is it that rarely ever do we compare ourselves to those who are less fortunate? Why is it that you don't look at someone, and God bless you if I'm talking about your life at the moment, we're praying for you, but a single parent trying to raise children all on her or his own time. You know what I mean? Just I, I have a heart for single parents. How in the world do they do this with no help? You don't compare yourself to them. You don't compare yourself to people who don't have a decent house to live in. You don't compare yourself to people who have bad health. Oh God, I'm just so grateful that my health is good. You don't compare yourself to people who are uh, struggling about to get a divorce. We don't ever compare ourselves to those who are going through struggles in life. 
and say, oh God, I thank you. Not because I'm, not like, what's the Bible? The, the tax collector was in there praying and, and the other guy's like, God, I thank you. I'm not like him. <laughs> not that kind of, but, but saying, God, I thank you that I have a decent home, that I have a great spouse, that I, you know, my children are doing okay. I thank you my health is, how often do we stop and just thank God for what we do have instead of always comparing ourselves to what we don't have? Right? And so when you're, when you're comparing yourselves to others and what they have, you know what it does? It totally robs you of any heart of thankfulness. It steals your joy. The Bible looks at this very seriously. Instead of comparing, the Bible uses the word covet. You know, it's in the Ten Commandments. Let's read that real quickly in Exodus 20, 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's wife. See, spouses? No. A male servant, a female servant, an ox, a donkey, a car, a clothes, a watch, a job. Why would you covet your neighbor's stuff? I mean, God gave it to us right away in the Ten Commandments. And then Paul reiterates it in Romans 13. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery or murder or steal or bear false witness. You shall not covet. Have you ever thought about why in the world would God have that word in there with murder and adultery and stealing? He puts covet right in there with it. Why in the world would that be so critical to God? Because you know what? It destroys your life. Coveting destroys relationships. It destroys careers. It destroys marriages. It destroys your life. God's saying if you covet and you care about what everybody else has instead of your own, then it destroys you. And you know what? If you get caught up in this cycle of always comparing your life to others, you end up spending most of your life discontented. And just for very small moments, you're thankful where you get contented. And you know what? I've learned something from books and from experience. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. I don't care if you make 50000 a year, 500000 a year, a million a year, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. We always just want a little bit more. Nothing wrong with wanting more, but it's, it's the heart that messes you up. Theodore Roosevelt said this, comparison is the thief of joy. It is the thief of joy. Now... <laughs> In my message, I have no idea why I'm sharing this. I was preparing my message. For some reason, this came on my mind. I had to write it down. Maybe it's from God for somebody or somebody's in here. But it's a note to parents. Okay, can I be a daddy, granddaddy for a moment here? A note to parents. Teach your children to be thankful. And do not give them everything they want all the time. Because that ruins them. It ruins them. 
I have several friends who have adult children who have no heart of thankfulness. Every, they just think things should come to them freely because they grew up like that. They never had to work for anything. They didn't become productive in, in the society till they're in their 30s because they expected something to be free. Teach your children to work for things. Give them, give them some work to do. Let them get a job. Uh, Evie and I, when our kids were young and they wanted $100 shoes, I'd be like, oh, well, here's 60. I'll give you 60. If you want that $100, $120 pair of tennis shoes, you go make the rest of the money. And they did. They went out and they worked and they got it. And guess what? When they got it, they took care of it. They were grateful for it. And they learned a good work ethic along with it, right? And they learned that they could earn to get what they want instead of just everything just given to them. So for younger parents and you have children at home, don't give them everything. The Bible says wealth gained too easily ruins a man or woman or child. I don't even know why I put that in my note, but I just had to get that out of there as a dad, I guess. <laughs> you can ruin your kids. All right, let's stand together. I got one last verse. It's going to be short and sweet today. Unless y'all want me to go longer. I can keep going. I got one last verse. And again, it goes back to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, where Paul starts this whole dialogue about being thankful. The first part, it says, rejoice always. Can you say rejoice always? Can you say, I will rejoice always? Come on, continue to say it. I will rejoice always. I rejoice, oh God. I rejoice, oh God. I rejoice in you. I rejoice in what you've given me. I'm thankful, oh God, for what you've given me. And then it says to pray without ceasing. By the way, just to say I'm thankful for what I have doesn't mean that you can't believe for newer things, for better things, right? It's all the, it's the heart. It's the heart that's the matter. I've shared this a lot of times. In the early 90s, I had the ugliest little burgundy grand caravan that I was worried if it would get me to work and back every doggone day. But every morning for months, I'd get out and I'd get in that little cold freezing little ugly van and I'd be driving off to work and I'd say, Father, I thank you for this van. I thank you it's going to get me to work. I thank you that it's the tool you've given me at the moment. And then right after that, and I'd say, but Lord, I'm believing you. <laughs> I'm believing you for something new. Not because my neighbor has something better, because I need something better. Amen? And faith brings life. Jealousy and covenant, it brings death. It's the change. That's faith. That's what the whole kingdom is about. But just because somebody else gets to do it and you don't, or they have, there's always going to be somebody who's going to have stuff you don't have. I don't care where you are in life. There are always going to be people who get to do things you don't get to do. But you can believe God for what you want to believe God for. You need a bigger house because you got three children in a two-bedroom apartment. That's something to believe God for. Amen? So use your faith. But in all things, in everything, do what? Give thanks to God for it is His will. 
It is his will, not that you're in that situation, but that you give him thanks no matter what. So you can see, I, I can't move on from Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. I love giving thanks. Father, we come to you today. We humble our hearts before you. Here we are, Lord. Help us to be those who rejoice always. Who pray without ceasing. And who always give thanks. Here we are, Father. Continue to move on our hearts and minds. Lord, I just pray that we won't allow the devil to rob us of the joy that you want for us to have because we let all these thoughts, these jealousies. James talks about this. I think I skipped over that scripture. Let me read that real quickly. In James 4, James talks about this. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? That's just the flesh. But then he says, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. That's where wars come from. That's where struggles come from. That's where relationships are broken. That's where God gets robbed. You get robbed of the joy of the Lord. Because you covet. You want something that's not for you at the moment. Father, we just ask you, help us to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Help us take all those thoughts, Lord, captive. When the devil comes in and says, look at them, look what they have. You don't have it. Look what they get to do. You don't get to do it. You, you just, I just pray, Lord, that we begin to shout out a prayer of thanksgiving. The moment we hear the lie that we would just stop where we are and say, oh, but I thank my God. 